For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. It's time for Tim. The Tim Weisberg Show on 1420 WBSM and streaming live on WBSM.com and the WBSM app. Talk to Tim now at 508-996-0500 or send him a message through the WBSM app. And now, WBSM's big gun, Tim Weisberg. And welcome back in our number three of the program here on Monday. And, uh, oh man, I closed out the window there. I had the Rolling Stones ready to go. And, uh, hold on. Give me a second here, cause I'm gonna get it. It's, it's, we, we gotta have it for posterity's <laughs> sake. We can't, uh, we can't turn on the light without playing the Rolling Stones first. It's all part of the, Gas in the mood. And uh, it doesn't take long. i got to get it into this system so that it'll just be a lot easier. And then I can just press it right at the time that I'm supposed to press it. But for now, we'll just jump into it right here. Of course, it is time to talk with Jack Splane and to turn on the light. He is the columnist for New Bedford Light, and you can read his columns at newbedfordlight.org, including this week's column, which uh, was something... So there's there's been a little bit of some subtle back and forth here going on. Uh, the mayor came on my program after the Royal Crown Rooming House fire and said on my program that there was there were fire uh, alarms in place that there were no fire code violations, that everything seemed to be on the up and up and that it was a cooking mishap. And then Will Sennett's report comes out and says that there, you know, there were violations. There were problems that were going on. Then the mayor came back on my show Wednesday and said, you know, uh, as erroneously reported by some media, let's say, well, that's, I don't know if that was ex- his exact words, but he was basically throwing some shade at Will Sennett's report and saying, you know, that there, there weren't these problems going on. Jack, take us through it from from your research yeah, and your, I, your discussions. I, I talked to the mayor myself on this, and, and he didn't try to argue that point very strongly with me. Um, I think that there, I, I mean, there's some, they're trying to have a very narrow dis- definition of what is a code violation and what is not a code violation that is to the advantage of the city. And I'm trying to remember our conversation, but if I understand them correctly, what they're saying is that if there is a violation and then... Um, they intend to fix it, but they have not yet fixed it. That's not a code violation. That they intend to fix it, so it's not a violation. Well, it's I don't still, know. Still it's still not fixed. It's though. still not fixed, and you know the road to hell is paved with with good intentions. Um, I'll give you an example of the, the the best part of the road to hell being paved with with good intentions is the city passed a sprinkler law for rooming houses ten years ago. There was a five year period for all the rooming houses com- to comply with the state law requiring sprinkler systems to a full two-thirds of them 
or 60%, depending on whose figures you use. Um, so the majority of them still are not in compliance. Um, some of them have completely ignored the city's directive to comply. And I don't know what kind of fines the city has given them, but it's not enough to make them comply. Some of them have done little things around the edges. This particular rooming house had a plan to do it. But again, they're 10 years late. They were supposed to have completed it five years ago. They had five years to do it. What has the city been doing in the meantime? So is that a code violation or not? I mean, they have a law. The law requires them to have a sprinkler system. It was enacted in 2013. They had five years to do it. It's now 2023 when we have the fire. And that company was just getting around to having a plan. Um, it is expensive to, to install these sprinklers, but these rooming houses are, are very, very, you know, can be very dangerous places. You have a lot of people who have a lot of problems in, in some cases, depending on the rooming house. And, um, uh, you know, the sprinklers are needed. Uh, I, I would argue, and I argued in my column that they're even needed in the five, six, seven, eight, um, uh, apartment units, not, not the triple deckers that are often mom and pop owned, but the big, you know, we have some big six, seven, eight, nine, twelve unit um, wooden uh, apartment buildings, particularly um, in the North End, and I, I would argue that that they need them too. The one that went up uh, two years ago at twelve seventy nine at Cushnet was a six unit um, apartment on top of commercial um, businesses in the first floor, and right next door was a five unit one that had been sprinkled. The, the, nobody died in the sprinkled one, although the, the damage was so bad they had to tear it down. In the six unit one, two people died. So I think sprinkler systems are proven to, to save lives. I think the city is trying to be nuanced about what's a code violation and what isn't. I don't call a code violation where someone says, yes, I'm going to address it, but it's not fixed yet, or it was addressed and then it's fallen out of compliance again. I don't, I don't call that not a code violation. I don't, I don't, I, don't, I think that the mayor is trying to, um, uh, as he often does, in my opinion, try to make, put the best uh, image forward for the administration rather than being straightforward about what's going on. He, he did talk with you about trying to bring in more retired fighter fighters to help with inspections. I talked to a third party inspector who told me that the problem is, and I, I asked the mayor about this and he kind of addressed it a little bit, but he didn't get too deep into it. Uh, he's told me that the previous, this is what the, um, the inspector told me is that the previous fire chief had left things in such a bad way. They were, they, they, they didn't stay up to date with all of this stuff. Then the pandemic happened. So then that makes it harder to get into some of these places to catch up with some of these. So what they inherited from the previous chief has made it so that the current fire department is so far behind that they can't get caught up. And the mayor said that that, that, that is true, that they are playing catch up in that regard. And uh, so maybe bringing in these third-party inspectors or, or retired firefighters to do the inspections will help. Yeah, I, I would just say that the, the, the previous chief, as we know, had his own problems with the city. He was fired for basically um, in the city's position is that they were he was claiming to be out on disability when he really wasn't disabled. Um, but that chief was not in office for 10 years. Um, uh, this chief we currently have, I think, has been in office for a couple of years now. And the chief before him was in office for a couple of years, um, maybe three at most. So that doesn't bring you back to 10 years on the sprinkler systems. So I, I think the city just is not aggressive on that. And this, the mayor is saying now we're going to be aggressive on the sprinkler systems. Well, why weren't you aggressive before? What they say is that 
they have brought at least one rooming house to the state fire appeals board and they lost. Um, that's a risk. You know, you, you try to crack down and you go to the fire appeals board. I don't know who's on that board, but they lost. You also go to the courts, depending on how well to do the owner is and can fight you. It can cost the city a lot of money. I still think they need to be aggressive. We've had three buildings go up within a block of each other in two years in a Cushnet Avenue, four deaths, one of them a rooming house, one of them a, um, uh, uh, a very big apartment building in a very thickly congested area. I, you know, I, th- I think it's, I think they need to be more aggressive. I, w- I will say another instance, um, the instance of the fire escape at the rooming house where there was something blocking it and they evidently addressed it and then later somebody blocked it again. So as the fire chief has pointed out to me, you know, the day of the inspection is, are they in compliance or not? They can't inspect every day. Right. And particularly some of these low-end properties with unscrupulous people either living there or running them, they fall out of compliance rather quickly. The mayor did say that that perhaps for some properties in New Bedford, and I think he had rooming houses in particular in mind, maybe the in- inspection should be more than just once a year or, you know, I don't know how they would do that. You know, say we're going to inspect some properties and not others. Um, there are properties that are are more dangerous, and rooming houses are among them. And I'm not trying to defend the landlords here, but at the same time, or, or the, the property owners, but at the same time, when you have different renters coming in, you don't always know that the renters are going to be in compliance with those things as well. Do you know? I mean, I haven't seen any details on it. What the blockage was of the fire escape? No. So evidently, there was a board that. Is, is, is there and the board blocks the, um, uh, you know, the, the bottom stairs from, from collapsing downward so you can go down them. There's a problem. Um, it's a, um, uh, a low income neighborhood with a lot of challenges. Uh, there, I was told that there were problems with people trying to get into the building, you know, um, through that staircase when it, when it was able to go up and down. And so they blocked it so that you couldn't go up and down it. Um, the fire department evidently told them to unblock it. They unblocked it. And then, they, and then someone, we don't know who, blocked it again. Um, so, uh, it's a problem. And maybe there is a, a reason, you know, for some of these rooming houses. Well, I, I think you have to have a, the rule will have to be for all of them, you know, to have more frequent inspections. Whether you would accomplish that through a, a city bylaw or, um, I don't think there's a state law that, that requires it. I, I'm not sure. But they definitely need to be more aggressive. And I think they need to be more aggressive in the fines they meet out. Now, they may lose some of those case, cases because the law is not strong enough when they appeal to the, to the, um, state board. Make the case publicly. Make the case to the state legislative delegation as to why they should, you know, make tougher sprinkler laws and, and enforcement for the, um, rooming houses. Maybe they should make some for the five, six, seven, eight unit, um, uh, apartment buildings. Um, uh, you know, I, I think I think it's a problem. But the the reason why I bring up the fact that sometimes it can be the the residents that are causing the issue is because drive around in the summertime and take a look at how many folks have air conditioner window air conditioning units blocking their fire escape exit. You know, because they 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 probably think, hey, this is a this is a safe place to put the air conditioner when I live on the third floor because I, I don't have to worry about it falling out of the window and going down. I don't have to lean out and kind of put in one of those things to hold it up. Whereas, you know, you, you think to yourself, well, if there's a fire, I'll just pull it out real quick and be able to climb out, and and, and maybe not necessarily. What if it's the air conditioner that sparks the fire, and now that's blocking your way, and it gets out of control of the fact that you have no way to get out now at all. 
Yeah. So there is a problem as you try to increase enforcement. We know that the city, uh, unlike the suburbs, you know, is very cash strapped. Taxes are, are going up quickly in the city and it's hard to fund enough firefighters to, um, do these increased inspections for things like air conditioners blocking fire escapes or whatever the, the um, code violation is. Um, the mayor's suggestion of having retired firefighters I thought was an interesting one. Um, how you would accomplish that is something else because the union would certainly have something to say about that as to whether you could allow people to come in who are non-union people to work for the city on a, a freelance basis. You're not talking about hiring them again. I'm assuming you're talking about them working part-time doing inspections, not being full-time firefighters. I think they contract third-party private inspectors anyway, don't they? Oh, do they? I'm not not aware of that. A gentleman told me that that he does inspections for the New Bedford Fire Department. Okay, so so maybe if they do it already. I don't don't know what the mayor was talking about, having more retired firefighters. But he was talking about increasing the... um, the, uh, the effort in some of these problematic properties. So, taking a look at the way, so, you know, you feel like the city needs to be more aggressive in their response. Also, you would hope that some of these building owners are seeing what's happening and thinking to themselves, I've got to protect my investment. Like, I know I've got to spend $80,000 to put this, this sprinkler system in, but all you have to do is drive by that giant gaping hole on a cushioned avenue now and say to yourself, well, that could be my, my building if I don't make, take these measures. Yeah. Why do you think that they don't want to I, protect I, their investment? I, I think that, 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 you know, I, I don't know whether it's just human nature. People don't want to spend the money. Um, uh, whether they think they can just collect on the insurance. Who, 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 who knows what the reasons are? Um, I think part of the, you know, when the city tells me that, you know, well, you know, it's, it's hard to fight them. It's expensive. You know, you, you rack up the court fees, you know, and they're willing to spend all this money fighting you in court and through the state fire appeals board. Um, I don't, I don't know. I, I think you have to try. To, 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 because the word gets out if you're, if, 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 if you don't, I mean, 10 years out and we have two thirds of the rooming houses not complying with the sprinkler system, the word gets out that they don't really do much to you, you know, if you don't, um, comply. I, I think, you know, the, the rooming house in question had 31 units. I heard that they were charging $170 a week, which was said to be low, which seemed like a lot to me. Somebody did the math for me and that if they had all 31 units filled, they could make, um, $28,000 a month in, in, in that one building. And so it's an $85,000 sprinkler system, maybe um, $100,000 if you bring in some other code things they had to do. So that's something that's affordable to someone who's making $28,000 a month. I mean, you take out a, a loan for it and you and you do it and you're still making money. You know, do you want to be greedy? And it's, it's just how much money can I possibly make and how much little money do I have to spend in my building? That's what's called a slumlord. You know, uh, we want people to make money. Yes, it's a capitalistic system. But we want, you have to spend a little bit of money to make money. And if you're not willing to spend, you know, when you're making that much money in a rooming house, it doesn't make any sense to me. I don't, I don't think they had a high mortgage because as Will reported, the, the new owner bought the building for a dollar. Yeah, but he also took out um, uh, a $600,000 mortgage, I believe, um, on the building, you know, which... I'm just being a smart ass. It seems like, uh, I mean, so he took out $600,000 mortgage. I don't know whether that was to pay for the fire things. Uh, you know, it, it was, it was, it changed hands several times over the last few years, you know, all all going back and forth to various trusts. I'm told that they, people have these things in these, they call limited liability trusts, yep. so that each of the, the parties that has ownership 
partnership in that is immunized from the actions of the others. And if the same group of people has four or five different properties, they have four or five different prop trusts to protect them from, from all of that. I, I, I'm not sure these trust laws are something that the legislative delegation shouldn't look at because it looks like a lot of them are being employed to protect people from having to do the responsible thing with their properties. Well, why don't we take our first break? If you have any thoughts or comments for Jack Spillane, 508-996-0500. We'll also take your app chat messages on the WBSM app. We'll be right back. You again, 508-996-0500. If you want to talk to Jack Spillane as we are turning on the light and uh, we got some uh, app chat messages that came in here. It says, uh, the vacant Holy Family School is being changed to residential apartments. Does the Catholic Church still have control of this? When was it offered for sale publicly or privately? Is it the current management a shadow for the church? Will the property pay taxes now or will it be exempt? Well, I think it's 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 going to be paying taxes. The, the church is no longer in control of that property. I mean, Jerry Kavanaugh, uh, who I think is a Holy Family graduate and a successful developer in the Boston area, New Bedford native, um, is doing that building. Um, it, it's actually a, a public service in, in some respects that he's doing. He's going to make a little bit of money, but not a lot of money because those buildings, you know, don't make a lot of money. I, I don't believe the church is in control of that property. I think they do still control the one across the street, the Holy Name School mm-hmm. that closed last year. Um, but uh, that might just be where some of the not confusion a, is. Not yeah. a church um, project. In fact, they moved the statue of, um, I believe it was the statue of the Sacred Heart. That was um, uh, beside the building and moved it out in front of um, St. Lawrence Church because it's, it's going to be a secular building, is my understanding. There, I mean, there are a lot of church properties that are just sitting empty and vacant. And I, and, and the, the, I don't know if the church is of the notion that you know someday there'll be uh, an increase in in attendance and they'll have to reopen those churches or what. But they they are key pieces of property all across the city that are just sitting there. Yeah, the most notable one I think is St. John the Baptist Church, which is the first uh, Portuguese church in North America. Uh, a wonderful building um, that's been sitting there. Um, the, the slate roof is supposedly in bad shape. Um, it breaks my heart to think of, the, of, of that building collapsing as time goes on. Another one is the Trinity United Methodist Church um, which has a sign out front that says it's going to be a Grecian marketplace even as the bricks fall off um, uh, every week that goes by. Um, these old church structures are hard to, to, to renovate. Um, uh, they have successfully renovated some of them, some places, but um, I, I don't I don't see anybody having a great idea for, for, for most of them, but, but the St. John one in particular breaks my heart. I know that the St. Joseph's in the North End School is going to be housing. I think... Um, Cruz, I forget his last name, he's a minority developer from Boston, um, is doing that one plus Dunbar and one over um, by the um, uh, North Street in the West End, I think. But, um, uh, yeah, the, these church buildings, it's, 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 it's going to be um, a big problem for the city. And uh, and certainly it's something that the mayor has spoken about, you know, wanting to see those get back on the tax rolls and want to be you know, see them being able to be utilized as, you know, there's there's a lack of space to be able to add more housing into. Yeah. Uh, we also got an app chat message from Polly in New Bedford who says, who owns the building and was it sold for a dollar to avoid the sprinkler installation? So just your, your thoughts on whether or not that might have been so why. I, I, I don't know that it was sold for a dollar to avoid the sprinkler installation. They had a plan. They had taken out a building permit to do the sprinkler installation. Um, so they were going forward with that. Um, I'm, 
you know, I'm not sure what the reasons are. The reasons are that were it was sold for a dollar. It was um, the one of the individuals I forget his name was the same individual in the previous trust and the the subsequent trust. Um, these trusts are all over the city now in terms of ownership of buildings. Um, you know, uh, in fact, the, the two on a Christian Avenue that burned just two doors down. Um, one of them was um, the uh, Lionel Gonzalez Trust, the the, the um, one that came down. That was a, a five unit building, and then Chocolate Pimenta Corporation owned the other one. So you know, these um, uh, corporate structures of, of, of owning buildings. That you know, the, I, I'm told that they do it for liability reasons, but I'm, I'm not sure that that was the case. In this one, it was done well, bef- well before I think. Um, uh, it, I've got Will's reporting yeah. here. It was, the property was transferred. Uh, the property was technically sold for a dollar in December 2022 and transferred to 1305 a Cushion Avenue LLC, a Rhode Island-based corporation. So they but it sell was, it, but it was already a trust when it was transferred. I think yeah, from one to another. So they so they they sold it in December 2022. In February, they pulled the permits to put in the sprinkler. So it seemed like they were trying to get it in compliance after the, you know, the sale happened. Yeah, I mean, and this fire, the, 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 the state fire marshal has determined that the, that the cause of the fire was a, uh, a microwave that was left, um, unattended and, and caught on fire. Um, you know, I, I think we should be frank that a lot of the people that live in these rooming houses have problems of, you know, substance abuse, mental illness, different problems. Um, as the mayor has pointed, as the administration has pointed out, um, one of the problems in enforcing them too strictly is that the people end up homeless and on the street. But I don't, I mean, if, if you think, okay, so we're going to have to have, have them in a building that's at risk of them losing their lives. Otherwise, they're going to be in the street. Let's just enforce the codes. Well, know. and the mayor said to me, when he mentioned that, that it was a cooking incident with a microwave, the person had fallen asleep and had left something going in the microwave. And I'm trying to think to myself, how? How does that happen? Because you set a microwave for the time that you want it to cook. And so, it, like, I've, 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 ne- I've left my microwave unattended every single time I've used it. Like, I'll, I'll plug it in what I need and I'll go into the other room and work on something and come back when it beeps. Yeah. So I don't know how that happens unless you unless you have metal in the in the microwave or something. Uh, that's the only time I've ever seen a microwave spark. Uh, have some sort of problem that causes you to fall asleep. Um, I, I, I'm not the most attentive person cooking myself. Um, I don't think I've ever fallen asleep when my microwave was going. But um, yeah, I, I think that. Um, but even if they fell asleep, like yeah. I, I still don't understand how the microwave had the issue uh, of of starting a fire. Like I, I don't know how that happens. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how long. The, Unless it was faulty wiring well, on mean, the microwave. I don't know, it was, could you have the microwave at a very high setting, like for a half hour or something? And it just, I, I, I don't but know. Do you set the timer on it? Yeah, yeah. It, it doesn't. It doesn't. I mean, I guess I mean, was, unless there was some sort of problem with the the outlet where it was. Yeah, that's what I mean. It must have been more than just the the, the microwave. Something cooking in the microwave itself, but I don't know. I mean, I, I'm I don't know, so I'm just speculating. But it just seems it seems odd to me. It seems like it doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, there's something that that doesn't add up. Um, you know, I I I just um, you know, it's 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 just um, it just seems like it was an accident waiting to happen. And 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 the fact that those other two buildings were lost just two years ago, you know, and now this one has been lost. You, you just have to and, and the building with the Maya Kiche Center three blocks south. Um, had a three alarm fire. They, they were able to get it under control, 
um, just two months ago in November. So, you know, these these fires in these four and five story wooden structures, you know, um, now the, the the mayor will tell you, oh, the fires overall are down in the city, but that's that's including everything, you know, in terms of of of, of single family residential neighborhoods. It's I think it's pretty hard to well, argue that that section of the North End. On the avenue, fires are down. Right. And he has pointed that out here on, on this program where he said, your fires are down overall, but the ones we have have been very bad. And they have, a lot of them have been located in that area. So he has, you know, pointed that out. Callers, we'll, we'll, we'll get to you, uh, in, in just a second, but you had mentioned, you know, it's not, it's not just about these cooking incidents either. You got to think about how many people are smokers that are renting these rooms or living in these apartments. How many of them are, you know, marijuana users? And they're going to be, I think those, that's what scares me more about a potential for a fire is somebody leaving discarded smoking materials around, falling asleep with a cigarette in their hand, or leaving something burning in the ashtray and going into the other room and that sparks a fire. Like the, that to me, people are more careless, I think, with that than they are with cooking. Yeah, this, I mean, the, the fire at 1179 was caused by someone discarding a, a smoking instrument into the alley. Mm-hmm. The alley had, had, uh, a dumpster in it. It was a very narrow alley. I mean, there are all kinds of things that just look that cry out to you. Um, I, I will say that you know the the, the these um, owners. Uh, you have low end owners, and then you have a low end rental population that has problems. And so, in a case like that, a well run building has to have a good property manager that is, for lack of a better word, evicting problem tenants. You know, tenants who are not you know, um, acting responsibly, not, not keeping uh, the other tenants safe. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's take some phone calls here. Uh, good morning. You were on with Jack Spillane. Hello. Hello. How are you doing? It's on your mind. Uh, the thing was about, I really believe the microwave was not the accident. I cannot believe that. I have left my white microwave. I said, well, I'll put it for, you know, 40 minutes and then nah, come back, put another. And walked out the house, went in the garage, come back in. I never started a fire with a microwave. It's impossible. It shuts off. Yeah. What do you cook in a microwave for 40 minutes? To frosting meat, probably. <laughs> yep. Yeah, well, it still wouldn't start a fire. That's why they do it. That's why they got the thing on there. I think somebody's playing games with the numbers or something with insurance or something. Because a microwave is not going to start a fire. So mm-hmm. I, that's, my, that's my opinion on all the fires that people now you talk about somebody that smokes okay 99.5 percent of people that rent especially here the first thing they do is do you have pets do you smoke do you drink do you listen everybody has some kind of a problem whether you want to drink or you want to smoke or you want marijuana you want to have coke and yes we have the problem it's here in new bedford and it's not going to go away so the only other thing is, I think what we ought to do, and Tim is there, right? Yes. Oh, yeah. As the lady said, as she has a business, uh, we ought to get more Bostons because they're better tenants, according to her. I don't understand that, I guess, because they can afford the rent. So my opinion is, don't microwave can start a fire. No, that's impossible. All right. That's my- Thank you for the call. And uh, let's go to the next one. Good morning. You are next with Jack Spillane. Hello. Hi, gentlemen. Hello, Shanine. How are Hi, you? Jack. Hi, Jack. Hi, Tim. Anyway, um, I agree with um, 
Jack about the mayor, too, that he, the way he smooths everything over in a nice way, like I'm beginning to find that out. That's why, Tim, the other day I was so agitated because all those questions I asked never really got answered. I know, I know, but, we, was, you know, I was just trying to maintain the back and forth so it sounded okay on the radio. I know. I never really got the true answer to him, you know what I mean? It, there's always something, he goes around it and it never gets done, you know what I mean? Like you went back to laughing about the street sweeping, but... Actually, if he's buying another street sweeper, why can't we get the side streets done? You know, right. we pay taxes too, right? You know what I mean? And if they're looking funky, it's time we do them, right? Yeah, no, you're, no, you're right. They should be doing well, those streets too. I don't know what I'm going to do to get these things done, but I guess I'm going to have to bring it up before the uh, council, right? You could, yeah, definitely talk to your ward counselor and the councils at large and see what they can do to make it happen. Especially, hey, listen, if it means that they can make the mayor look silly, they'll, they'll be all on board for it. <laughs> I got to tell you something. Cottage Street is a main drag, and I take the public transportation, demand response, and I'll tell you when, you, when you're in them, you should see how bumpy it is and what a mess it is, and they all agree. So why isn't he going to do Cottage Street? It's like, yeah. you know, really? You I, did half, and now you're not going to do the rest of it. I'm not sure. I'm gonna I'm gonna hold you there though because I got some other callers. But thank you for calling in. Thank you. Have a good day. And uh, the phone lines are lit up, but we can squeeze you in at five zero eight nine nine six zero five hundred. Good morning. You're next with Jack Spillane. Hello. I almost had a well. I never had the fire, but a microwave. There's a possibility. I usually make a cup of tea, and I just warm it up for two minutes. And so, and I noticed that sometimes it says I'm doing it for 2,000-something minutes instead. When I hit the on, I'm also near the 9 or so, another number, and I had it for so long, but I thought I had it for 2 minutes and 30 seconds. I decided I'm going to vacuum. I had the radio on, and I can't hear the microwave going, but I'm assuming it's going to do two minutes, 30 seconds, and then it's going to shut off. And eventually I'll get, I'll have a cup of tea. I don't necessarily need the tea at that time because it's still hot. And I was vacuuming and then I forgot about the, the um, microwave because I really have tea now and then. And I watched, I listened to the radio and then I went by the other room and I could smell this smell and it smelled like the freshest air you've ever smelled. It was I, I said, what is that? And then I went, look at the microwave. I opened up the door, shut off. I had no water in my cup. Did so, it all evaporated? Yes, and it made this great air. Ozone, that's what you were getting. getting ozone in the air. Yeah, it, yeah. it was like after a rainstorm. Mm -hmm. It smelled good, but I was so afraid. And then I noticed now I have to hit the numbers right that your finger, you know, and I have to check. And sometimes I do see... I have four numbers instead of three digits, and I have to be very careful. Well, so it could happen. Let me make a suggestion. If you want that smell in your in your home again, just go buy some of that wild rain spray. It's it's the same thing, and it's much safer. Okay, I will. <laughs> Sorry, I, I have had uh, instances where I had something I left in the microwave smoking. You know, with the smoke coming out of it. So that makes me think that yeah, maybe that there is a possibility of fire. All right. Well, thank you for the call. You're welcome. Um, uh, yeah, I'm just thinking that most of the time you're setting it for for the right amount. Let's uh, let's take this phone call here. Good morning. You are next with Jack Spillane. Hello, you're on the air. Hello, you're on the air. Okay. 
Well, tell you what, why don't we take a break? When we come back, the caller who just called in, we will get to you as soon as we come back from a quick break. More with Jack Splain in just a moment. And welcome back in. We are with Jack Splain of New Bedford Light turning on the light. We are watching the, the runners cross the finish line here. Of He was in the lead for a while, so somebody somebody passed him. Uh, when they were in Wellesley, he was the leader. But anyway, they're crossing the finish line in the Boston Marathon, so um, all those results will be up for you online, I'm sure, very soon. We do have some more phone calls, though, lined up at 508-996-0500 as we're heading toward the finish line of this hour. So let's uh, take those calls. Good morning. You are next with Jack Blaine. Hello. Hi, Jack. Hi there. How are you? I just wanted to call. I called Tim last week, and I wanted to thank him. I want to thank you both again. Uh, as far as your stance on looking after LGBT people, I want to thank you very much. As you're aware, this is the Autism Awareness Month, and so many kids with autism end up in, as part of the LGBT uh, community, and a lot of people don't realize that. You know, I tell people you can Google autism and LGBT, or autism and transgender, and you realize that these, these children uh, develop that way because of what's going on in their chemical makeup or their genetics. But I wanted to thank you very, very much for what you do, taking your stance and being fair about that whole topic. God bless both of you. Thank, thank you, you so much. much. Thank you very much. And uh, let's go to the next caller here. Good morning. You were on with Jack Spillane. Hello. Yeah, good afternoon. This is the guy in the microwave uh, fire. So, so you were you were in the fire? No, no, no. This is regarding oh, with oh, the microwave okay. fire. I'm sorry. Yeah. I, I thought you said it's the yeah, guy this... in the microwave fire. I was no, like... no, no. No, uh, they can't catch fire because I had an issue with a baked potato once, and the baked potato really caught on fire. I put it on too long. Wow. So they can't catch on fire. I oh, make yeah. big potatoes in the microwave all the time. I'm going to have to be more careful. <laughs> I was just a kid. I put it on a little too long. I heard some popping and snap, and I come out of the other room Did, and the thing was yeah, on fire. Yeah, I've had some instances where I, I thought the microwave was about to get to get on fire. So, Did, I, I, Did you forget to poke some holes in it with the fork? Yeah, uh, probably. I, I learned that the hard kid. way, yeah. I was probably about 14, 15 years old, but it, trust me, it catches on fire. All right, well, thank you for that. Have a good day. All right, thank you. Yeah, I I I put a microwave in the potato. Uh, I put a potato in the microwave and like it it exploded, and it's because I didn't put the fork holes in it to kind of release the pressure and, and let some of the air out. So definitely do that. Um, it's 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 apparently microwave. <laughs> so let's go back to the phones. Good morning. You were on with Jack Blaine. Hello. How you doing? What's on your mind? Uh, I got a little suggestion. They should have checked that microwave for residue of crack cocaine. Because that house is known as a drug house, okay? And when, you drug, when you're making cocaine into crack, you can do it in a microwave, okay? And if you leave it in too long, it explodes. Day. All right, thank you. Uh, let's take this call here. Good morning. You are next with Jack Spillane. Hello. Hello. Hi, you're on the air. Hi, I know. It's really bad to say things like that. We don't want to assume just because you're leaving in a rooming house that you are doing drugs. But hey. Sure. I was thinking also, hasn't anyone um, accidentally put metal in the microwave? Or like if you have a takeout dish or something that you thought was micro microwave safe, like you bought from the grocery store, and it, but it, you didn't realize that you were supposed to put it in the oven instead. And when you have metal in the microwave, it arcs, and that definitely causes a fire. I was telling Jack during the break that when I was a kid, I put a glass mug in for some hot chocolate or something and didn't realize... Yeah, they had like that gold ring at the top, and then, then there was, 
when I was a, an adult, I put in some leftover food in the microwave to heat it up, and I didn't realize somebody had left a metal fork in it. So oh. that kind of sparked up. But, you know, in both instances, I, I you know, caught it relatively quickly because when you put metal, metal in the microwave, it's going to arc pretty quickly. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I would have I liked to have seen the state fire marshal's report to get more details about exactly, exactly how this. It, it seemed like that, that investigation was completed very quickly, which does not usually happen in these things. Right. I, I thought it was very quickly that they completed it. And I, I haven't seen it myself, so I, I'm, I'm not sure whether they give many details of exactly what happened in that microwave, but... Jack, I thought yeah. you were going to say, I want to see what happens when you put metal in the microwave. I was going to say, <laughs> we have one in the kitchen. I can go show you. Well, I know. I used, like, one of my grandmother's teacups once, not realizing it had the gold um, in, in the paint, you mm-hmm. know? And I, I did. I ruined my parents' um, microwave. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I've been there and done that. All right. Well, thank you for the call. Have a good day. You're welcome. Bye. You too. And, uh, yeah, that, when when I... When I worked at uh, worked in, in in the diner, we went through microwaves like nothing. Like we would constantly be blowing them out, throwing them away, and going down to the Salvation Army and buying another one. You go buy it for five bucks, bring it back, scrub the whole thing out, put it back in the line, and then there you go. You've got your microwave back for the day. So what's your microwave story? <laughs> I, I, yeah, I would. I didn't realize there was going to be so many microwave stories. But why don't we take our final break of the hour? When we come back, we can wrap the, wrap things up with Jack Spillane of New Bedford Light. We'll find out what else he's working on, and we'll talk about some of the other great reporting at newbedfordlight.org. We'll be right back. All right, we are back with Jack Spillane of New Bedford Light. We are turning on the light. Let's take this call here. Good morning. You're on with Jack. Hello. Hey, hello. What's on your mind? They got a ban. Well, they got a ban electric microwaves now. I don't know if it'll go that far. Yeah, I know, I know. Hey, but you know, um, that's that's a good point. Um, what are they going to do? Um, because if, if uh, the microwaves, uh, if this cause uh, caused the fire, landlords are going to be more mindful not to put microwaves in there because you know they, they can have that kind of problem with a tenant. Right, and, and, and if it, caused, it, it, it could easily cause a fire. And I don't it's think it's true. the microwave; it's the way the tenant may have been using it. Right, but uh, in two right. in these rooming houses, I, I don't know how the layout was in Royal Crown, but they don't always have kitchen access, so the microwave and a hot plate is all you really have to prepare your food. Yeah. Also, I don't, I don't, you know, was it was there a problem with the outlet, the wiring? Who, who right. Knows? Like, you know. Yeah, I, mean, I, 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 I think yeah. it's, it's worth finding out a little bit more about that state fire marshal's um, report, how detailed it was. Absolutely. All right. Good. Yeah, all right. All well, right. Thank, you, thank you for the call. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And in uh, just the final few moments that we have here, Jack, first of all, uh, anything that you're working on this week that you want to let us know about? Yeah, so um, I think I'm, I'm working on some stories about some of the um, efforts um, of immigrant groups uh, to um, uh, have a fairer workplace, fairer uh, wage, some, some wage disputes uh, with local employers and what's going on. In that on that issue, uh, we'll send it. One of our good reporters, Little Light, has been writing on it. We, a few weeks ago, he wrote about Eastern Fisheries, and um, there's another settlement uh, that's going on with Bob's Tire. So uh, I think I may take a look at that. And uh, just really quickly, in the final like three minutes that we have, just your thoughts on the videos that were released. I know you said you haven't had a chance to to see them all, but uh, you know we finally got those videos released. It really hasn't answered any questions. There's still the Homeland Security report that now Sher- former Sheriff Hodgson is calling on Secretary Mayorkas to release. So, I mean, are, are we going to get to the bottom of what went on in, in, in this situation? Yeah, I, w- I was surprised to see that you could not have the um, the the sheriff's videos, only the, uh, the the institution's videos, only the ones that were on people's um, 
uh, uh, heads, I guess, or bodies, the, the body cameras that, that people who are attending to the, the, uh, disturbance at the, the jail. From, from what I've read, and I'm not an expert, I've read your story and I've read the story in the New Bedford Light, that, that they really don't prove one way or the other, you know, whether, um, uh, it was the, the, Inmates causing the disturbance or the or the sheriff's response that was over the top. Um, uh, it does seem like like that there uh, from your reporting that there was at least some video that shows that that it was a very strong response with dogs right in the faces and of 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 the um, detainees. Sheriff Faro characterized it as that there were steps that could have been taken between you know where where it started and where it went that weren't taken. That they seemed like they jumped to the extreme end yeah. of the response. Yeah. So. so de-escalating is the name of the game in, in, in something like that. So you can see that for yourself uh, at WBSM.com and on the app. We have all 30 videos for you to watch, and that's also on our YouTube channel as well if you want to check that out. And, of course, check out Jack's work at NewBedfordLight.org. You can read his column on the uh, the look at the sprinkler violations of the, you know not being up to the sprinkler code and, and take a look at that. And as I said, you only have to drive by where the Royal Crown was. Now it's just a, an empty hole. And uh, and you realize that you know th- this this is something that could have been prevented, yeah. and if maybe maybe a couple of months from now it would have had the sp- the sprinklers yeah. included. But as you said, you know they they had ample time yeah, to be able and, to do and, that. And, and two doors down at with twelve eighty three Cushion Avenue from the fire two years ago was also an empty hole, and at twelve seventy nine possibly may end up being an empty hole, uh, depending on whether the owner can um, get enough money to fix it. So it's it's a problem on the avenue. So we are out of time for this hour and for today. Thank you all for tuning in and listening. Uh, if you missed any part of the discussion and you want to catch the podcast, you can do so at WBSM.com or on the app or wherever you get your podcasts from. I would also recommend that you go and you check out the podcast from Friday night's discussion uh, with Sheriff, former Sheriff Tom Hodgson on South Coast tonight. He uh, opened up the program in the 7 o'clock hour with Marcus and Chris addressing those videos. And uh, you can hear that either, again, on the website, on the app, or wherever you find your podcasts. It's also embedded in the story at WBSM.com and on the app. So that'll do it for us for today. Everybody out there, have a great day. Even though it's a little bit gray, try and enjoy it. And as always, of course, enjoy every sandwich. Some places take you away. Some bring you together. Marathon does both. Marathon is Florida's family key with something for everyone. You'll find museums and wildlife refuges, wide open beaches, miles of warm, clear water, and the historic Seven Mile Bridge. For more about Marathon and the latest safety protocols, visit flakeys.com slash marathon.